What's up, everyone? This is Brian Ward, host of the Data Podcast, the podcast show for dads, about dads, being dads. I'm super excited that you're here and for the guests that I have on the show today. But before we get to the interview, if you have not yet subscribed to my show, please make sure you smash that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. Also, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel as well. The link is in the show notes. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you guys very much for joining me. I'm excited for the guests that I have on today. Uh, she's the first mom I've had on in about a year and a half, so I'm excited about it. She's an author. She's written a number of books, but also a children's books that we're going to children's book that we're going to get into today. But Tamara, thank you very much for joining me on Dad Up. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here and so honored that I'm the first mom in so long. Thank you. <laughs> the last mom I had on was, um, gosh, I did it. I think a year and a half ago or so. And uh, she's a, a reality TV star on a teen mom show. Um, but okay. uh, uh, yeah, she was the last mom I had on. So um, this is a little bit of a twist for me uh, because, you know, <laughs> I like to have moms on too, but um, it doesn't, doesn't quite happen that often. Um, but obviously this is a dad podcast mainly for dads, but you know, the topics that we talk about on the show can relate, be related to, you know, moms and dads. So um, I'm excited to have you on and, and talk a little bit about your book and the things that you've been doing. So for my listeners who may not know who you are, let's dive into your backstory. Talk a little bit about you and, you know, the way you grew up and, and what led you into, you know, the career you're in now as, as far as writing books. So I live outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I've wanted to be a writer for a really long time. I have four children. Um, they're ages 10, 9, 7, and 3. So we're super busy, two boys and two girls. And um, I was actually just showing them I found my fourth grade book project where we had three fourth graders and three sixth graders collaborate on writing a book and um, we had it bound and we illustrated it. It's just, it was, it's just wonderful. So I, we found that somewhere in a box and we were talking about that. And um, so this has been a long time coming me writing stories. Um, I did study um, writing in English, the traditional way I, I uh, went to Jacksonville University in Florida for my bachelor's in English and humanities. I studied fiction at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland for my master's degree. And then I earned a PhD in English um, outside of Pittsburgh. And I have been teaching English ever since. I teach for Harrisburg Area Community College. Um, I love teaching community college students because I feel like it really connects to my own personal background. I was the first in my family to go to college. Um, so to be a first generation college student and earn a PhD, it's, there's a very small percentage of the population that takes mm -hmm. that route in life. Um, but, you know, I loved writing. I've always loved writing. I worked as a reporter. And um, when I had my fourth child, I, it was actually when I started writing picture books. And um, the picture book we're going to talk about today was based on something that my one of my children um, did. And I think that's just the fun thing about writing picture books. When you're a parent, so much that you do takes you away from your family. You know, you have your job and all of these expectations and running the children around to their activities. And so that quality time is really difficult to find. Mm -hmm. And writing picture books was a fun way for me to connect with the kids to kind of eavesdrop on their, their playtime and their 
their conversations and come up with some really fun ideas for stories and then to read the stories with them and revise them with them. They're just kind of like my little collaborators. So I just, I love that part about it. <laughs> How old are your kids? Um, my sons are 10 and three and my daughters are nine and seven. <clears throat> oh, wow. All right. So you've got uh, three to three to 10. Okay. So you got a, yes. uh, a, a pretty large gap there. Yes. Well, we had three very close together. Um, my first three are all 20 months apart. And okay. so we, when we had our third child, my husband and I kind of looked at each other. We're like, okay, we need a break. We do. There, there <laughs> needs to be more than 20 months before number four comes along. So we kind of wised up with that because it's just, I mean, it's just really difficult when they're all that young, when nobody's in school and they're all around the house and in diapers and, yeah. you know, just all of the needs that they have. It's, it's overwhelming. I mean, right. you know, you know, and parents out here listening, I'm sure they can relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. My wife and I, our two boys are much older, 23 and 20, uh, but they're, you know, they're not quite three years apart yet. They're like the almost, almost three. They're like two years and 10 months or something like that apart. But uh, the cool thing is that, you know, even though, you know, when they were younger, they get into little, you know, they're two boys. Mm -hmm. So they get into little bickering mm -hmm. habits and, and teasing yeah. each other and stuff like that. But the really cool thing is, is now that they're older, they're both adults they're like best buds. They go and do mm -hmm. stuff together. And it's so, it's just kind of been this huge 180 from what, when they were younger, um, especially, you know, my older son, when he was a teenager, last thing you want to do is hang out with his little brother. And, but mm. now it's cool that they, uh, that they do stuff together and have fun yeah. together. So, I mean, um, as a parent, that's the dream. That's what yeah. you want. So that's amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so what made you, I mean, you've talked about wanting to be a writer for a long time. Um, what, what, what do you think drove that passion? I think when I was, I was young, I just, I loved reading stories too. I don't know. There's just something about escaping into a book that um, it just connects to who I am. And I think, you know, I had some difficult experiences as a child and growing up. So at first it was reading that that took me away from those experiences but as I got older and I started writing just poetry and journaling and things like that those um those connections were really helpful I think to process some experiences I mean adolescence is just hard it's difficult right. and we know that as parents trying to help our children navigate through that so I think writing is just a way to um just process everything that you're feeling and experiencing in a healthy way. So that really helped me, I think, mentally, emotionally, as I got older, but then, you know, it became, and there's nothing like holding your book in your hands. And that was a dream that drove me for so long, just the thought of, someday it's going to happen. And it's a very difficult process. It's incredibly difficult. I wrote for about eight years and submitted to literary agents before I signed with a literary agent. And, you know, at that point I thought, this is it for me. Like I'm, I'm going to sell my book. It's going to be great. It's going to happen. And that first book of mine, it was a young adult novel. And, you know, the term we use in the industry is that it died on submission It went around to all the publishing houses and didn't get picked up. So, you know, my agent said, okay, that's great. That's fine. We'll write something else. So we wrote something else. And then, you know, my agent didn't really connect with it, wrote something else. She didn't connect with it. At that point, we thought, okay, well, maybe it's best for us to stop working together. 
So after all those years of finding an agent, now I've broken up with an agent. I have all these manuscripts on my computer. And it was around that time that I submitted um, Why Daddy Why to Familius. And Familius is just an amazing publisher. They, they've been great to work with. They focus on, you know, making families happier, healthier. Uh, and, and you can submit to them without a literary agent, which, you know, a lot of smaller publishers give authors that opportunity. And they email me back in like two months with a letter that said, we want to publish this book. And I read it over and over and I took it to my husband and I had him read it. I said, does this like, does it really say what I think it says? Because you get those rejections for so long and, to get a yes is just the most amazing moment. So um, yeah, that was, that was really exciting. Yeah. That um, <clears throat> sounds like a great company. I'm actually going to be interviewing Christopher on the show as well. Oh, um, so I'm excited about that, but um, so is why daddy, why your first real published book? It's my first children's book. I actually have my other one here. Um, this Gridiron Girl is my first novel. Um, okay. So it's my it's a young adult novel, and it published in March. So okay, that's it's what with I thought. Wise Wolf Books, yeah. And so, um, but interestingly, my first contract came from Familius. So I signed the contract to publish Why Daddy Why with them in August of 2019, and it just came out. A couple of weeks ago, which goes to show it's just such a long process, especially when illustrations are involved. Um, mm-hmm. And so that happened before the contract for Gridiron Girl. But Wise Wolf Books is just they're so innovative and they want to rapid release books for teens because, you know, everybody loves to binge you know, we love to binge watch shows and binge books. When we love something, we just want to immerse ourselves and keep going. So their business model is to publish frequently. So I actually have four books in that series releasing this year. Um, Every quarter, I have a new YA novel releasing. And they're all sports stories about um, teen athletes that attend the same high school. So there's a lot of overlap in the characters and the settings. And Um, I found that really fun to write, but since they have that rapid release model, I signed the contract with them actually last summer and those are already being released. So it's been really fun to work with them too. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Um, Let me ask you a question though. This is kind of a sidebar from the actual show, but if parents, I mean, I have talked to a lot of parents that had expressed an interest in writing a children's book and Mm -hmm. talking about, you know, like, how easy they think it would be. Obviously, based on <laughs> what you're saying, it's not that easy. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to parents that are, you know, have an interest in maybe writing a children's book? That's a great question. So I think that obviously the internet is an amazing resource. You know, there's so much online that that um, parents can just Google how do you write a picture book. And um, there are these great um, um, storyboards that Uh, parents can look at that show, you know, the 32 page picture book and how you structure the story and put things together. Um, One thing that's really interesting, a lot of people do think, especially since picture books are so short, they're easier, but picture books really shouldn't be longer than 500 words. So to effectively tell a story and develop characters in 500 words is, Mm. is a challenge. And on top of that, authors have to leave space for the illustrators to contribute their own aspects to the story. So instead of like telling what's happening on the page and the actions that the characters are doing, you have to kind of step back from that. So it's, you have to train yourself to do that. And one way to do that obviously is to read a lot of picture books. 
And if parents are already reading with their children, they're getting that experience. They're seeing the difference between a concept book and a narrative structure and all of those different aspects. When I first started writing picture books, actually, my library is fantastic. I love libraries. Totally record, like go to the library today after you listen to this podcast, take your kids. But um, my local library, I think there was a borrowing limit of 40 books per account. And I requested, I went into the online system and I requested so many books and they came in and it was like 120 books came in because I was studying publishers. So I went to Familius's website and I would search all of the books that the library had and request them all because I wanted to read them. I wanted to learn what the publisher was interested in. I wanted to study the stories, um, you know, kind of analyze the illustration, see what I thought about it. And my, my library was fantastic. They're like, uh, you're way over your limit. And when I told them what I was doing, they said, okay, we're just going to take your limit away. So then they took my limit away. So I would take stacks of picture books from the library and just study them. And I think that's really just the best way to, to learn the form and learn how to develop the stories. And it's also important, obviously, that it's a unique concept. And by studying them, you can you can see what's already out there and how, you know, a parent can develop a new idea in a way that stands out. Yes, I agree. Um, I think especially with uh, the fact that you have like this book here, um, Why Daddy Why has so many illustrations that, you know, kids can relate to. And for parents and kids, I remember reading, you know, my wife and I would read to our boys when they were younger and obviously age appropriate books. uh, But it seemed like uh, as a parent, we read the same book over and over and over and Mm -hmm. over again, because the kids are into not maybe the story, but really the illustrations that, that come with the book and Mm -hmm. um, just kind of showing the book here. This is the book here. Why daddy, why? And it's a very easy read. Um, Like just give you an example. There's some great illustrations in here. um, And I, I found the book, I, I read it obviously, and I, I found it interesting. And I think it's a, it is, it's a, it's a book that a kid would want to read with their parents, have their parents read to them mm-hmm. and do it again the next night. And right. mom and dad may get tired of reading the same book over right. and over and over again, <laughs> but the kids will be interested in it because of the illustrations that are behind it. Uh, how difficult mm-hmm. was that to process, uh, you know, writing this book because illustrations are a whole nother level from, from the actual writing. Right. And so my illustrator, I love, I, I just love the illustrations. Um, Nicola Caveri is the illustrator. She's based in London, England. And, you know, I actually just did a school visit yesterday with about 180 kindergarten students. And it was absolutely wonderful because when they were they're you know, they're getting antsy, they're all in the gym and, you know, so-and-so kicked so-and-so and everything. And um, so I told them, I said, you know, she put a really, really, fun you know treat in there for you and of course their eyes get wide and they're like right. oh, what's what, what's there you know and then I told them about if you look at the cover of the story there's a mouse and a spider and a ladybug and a cat okay I can try to like zoom in here you guys can see the little the little cat uh-huh. and all the yeah. little critters so if you flip through the pages she hid those little critters in all of the illustrations and the kids okay. just love that. So they're like, oh, I found the spider. I found the spider. And so that that's just a way, I think, to make it a little bit more um, palatable if you're reading it over and over and over again with your kids. But, 
you know, that aspect of um, rereadability is huge in picture books. You know, that's what publishers are really looking for. And especially with board books like this one is, um, you know, the target audience is um, babies to age four. But like I said, I've brought it to a lot of kindergarten classrooms and the kids mm -hmm. have been really excited about it. Um, but I think um, what's great about the readability in this story is that you know, when we first have new babies, when you have that moment where you come home from the hospital and, you know, the hospital has just let you bring a human being home and you have no idea what you're doing. And, you know, I think that's kind of an intense moment. And you read all of these stories about um, building a bedtime routine and your baby will sleep more through the night if you have this routine, if you calm them down with the lavender bath and, you know, you have all of these steps. And one of those steps is, of course, reading a book. And a lot mm -hmm. of times it's the same book. And that's why board books are just so amazing, you know, and for us, we read with our first child, we read I Love You Stinky Face over and over again, which is just such a favorite of ours. And it's about a mom's unconditional love. And then, you know, for one of our other children, it was mommy's best kisses. Also mom's unconditional love. And, you know, that's why I got to thinking with this book, you know, I wanted to make it a daddy book. There are definitely dad books out there. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, for us, we seem to come across all of the mommy stories. So I really wanted to write a book that celebrated that relationship, that unconditional love between, um, you know, a dad and a child. When I first wrote it, it was actually, I had my daughter envisioned and the publisher just emailed me one day and said, so we just decided your, your characters are going to be bears. <laughs> and, you know, at first I was kind of like, but it's not a bear, it's my daughter, you know, and, but I, I love it now. I think it's right. perfect because every child can see themselves in this cub. And that's really the point. It's not, it's not my daughter's story, although it was inspired by my daughter, but um, yeah. So I just love that they're bears and the rereadability of it. And hopefully parents will build that into the, those routines that they have to try to get more sleep at night. And I wish them the best of luck with that. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I don't, I love the illustrations. I think they're great. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I like the title too. And the title can, when you read the title, you're like, okay, what's the point of the title? Well, you have to get into the story to understand the point of the title, but really the point of the title is kids are always asking why, uh, you answer the question and then they answer, they, they respond with another why. So that's kind of the yes. point of the story is that kids are asking his, this, this cub is asking why to everything that the dad is experiencing with the cub and the responses that the dad gives are great responses uh, that are positive and uplifting. And mm -hmm. I can just, I picture myself I, when I, when I was reading the book, I pictured myself with my son and him asking me why, and then <laughs> me answering the question, but then him asking another why. And then obviously like parents do get frustrated with the so many whys, mm -hmm. uh, but that's not the point of this. The point of this book is to kind of show the positive uh, interactions between a father and a son or, right. you know, a papa bear and a cub uh, and right. responding in an appropriate way that, that creates that, I guess, the positive um, communication between right. you know, a, a parent and a child. So um, I, I love it. I think it's great. And, uh, and what, what about a mom? I mean, are you going to go the mom route at all or? Um, there might be a mom manuscript drafted, but <laughs> you know, we'll see, we'll see how that goes. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I would love to just celebrate the different relationships that kids have, you know, um, because 
you know, there's great aunts and uncles and grandparents mm-hmm. and um, even siblings. There's not, there's not enough books celebrating sibling relationships. I just love watching when my older kids read to my younger child. And, you know, that's kind of one of the, if everyone's getting a little wild and crazy and we need some quiet time, I'll just assign one of them. I'll say, you know, go read to your little brother. And, you know, just listening to them kind of giggle over stories and things like that. It's pretty special. So celebrating all those relationships is really, I think, um, key. And I think that's why it works so well for Familias because it's really along with their brand. Um, but you had mentioned the, the title and I did want to share that my, my daughter, Gabriella, when she was four years old, which in doing research about questions, I learned that nobody asks more questions than a four-year-old. It's actually proven through research, four-year-olds mask. And I'm sure parents believe this research. You, They probably think nobody needed to do research on that. I knew right, that myself. Right. But research has proven nobody asks more questions than a four-year-old. And um, when my daughter, Gabriella, was four, she would use the word why at the beginning of the question and the end of the question, which oh. just for us seemed like, like double trouble, right? So she would, she would say, why are we eating this for breakfast? Mommy, why? Why do we have to go here now? Mommy, why? And it was just why, why, why? And, you know, we were really, we were really frustrated. I mean, she's our third child. So you already have two other children that you're contending with, with all the things that parents do. And, um, you know, but then we realized this is really a cute way for her to ask questions that she thinks that the questioning word goes at the beginning and at the end. So um, that's how the story structure came to be. We just were kind of, we, we tried to refrain from the frustration a little bit and, you know, just celebrate that. And, you know, I get frustrated like every parent out there. There's absolutely no judgment on that. But um, I love that whenever I, when I wrote this and when I read this with the kids, it's kind of a reminder that they're just so inquisitive. They wanna know everything and for good reason. Um, and that we can try to be patient with them as much as possible. Or we can just say, you know what, now's not really question time. Maybe we can, maybe we can put this on hold right now and have question time later. And as long as we come back to that celebration of question, maybe we can kind of defer that, you know, it's worth a try. Yeah. Um, I love that. And I, you know, I think about when my boys were younger asking me questions and I would try to respond and answer them as, as best I could, but sometimes I would turn the table on them. And sometimes I would ask them, why do they think, you know, if they ask me, why, why, why is, you know, why is that? I don't know. What is, why is that car blue? Well, why do you think it's blue? And I turn the table and see if they could answer it and come up with, you know, cause them to kind of get their mind active and their mind thinking of, a solution or an answer to uh, what it is that they are thinking. Um, so I, I think that's great. Yeah. Why daddy, why that's a, that's a great way to um, kind of incorporate your own family um, values or your own family traditions. So the things that you've gone through as a parent uh, into your story. So very cool. Um, when I think about reading to our kids, I think about the bond uh, sharing and nurturing each other and bonding with your child. Um, I think it's a critical for parents to um, kind of incorporate that practice, I would say daily uh, with their child. Um, Why would you think that that is important for parents to do? Well, I mean, literacy studies show across the board that the amount of reading that a child um, completes before they even get to kindergarten is crucial to their overall growth um, and education. And I think that it's, we're also having a lot of conversations about social emotional learning right now. Mm -hmm. And 
having a child curl up into your lap and wrapping your arms around them and reading a book that's that emotional connection that they have sometimes it's not even about the story it's just that feeling of safety and the physical proximity they have to someone that they love Mm -hmm. that then translate and helps them love reading and love stories and grow educationally because of the fact that it came from that experience of love with someone that was close to them. So research shows that, you know, time and time again, and, you know, but I'm a busy mom, just like everyone else. You know, I have four children. I work full time. I write on top of that. My kids have activities. So I think that there are a lot of ways that you can sort of supplement those reading needs. Um, Some of them are electronic. Let's just be honest, like Epic and, you know, online reading is great for kids too. You don't want to entirely rely on that, you know, unless you absolutely have to, but that's not the best recommendation. But like I said, having older siblings read to the kids, um, that's a good approach. If you have a neighbor that's, you know, like an older neighbor that doesn't get visitors that often, having them have reading time with them, that's special for both the neighbor and the child. So just trying to create more reading opportunities into those busy schedules that we have is really critical. And um, I want to show you to this spread from the book. Um, there is actually a, a part of the story where they're reading together. Mm-hmm. And when I, you know, as an author, you don't want to put forth too many illustration notes because you really want to leave that autonomy to the illustrator. But um, when I sent the manuscript, I said, I want the book to look like magic. I want magic to be coming from the book. And I think that she did this so amazingly, but there mm-hmm. is absolutely magic coming yeah. from that book. And it's that capturing that moment of them sitting together and holding each other and connecting over this book. That is just, um, you know, exactly what I wanted as the, as the author. And, you know, she did even, she went even above and beyond my expectations of that, but, you know, trying to fuel those literacy experiences is really important any, any way that we can. And it's not always easy. Yeah. And I think it's important, you know, you talked about trying to find that time to do that when you have such busy active lives between you and, uh, you know, your children, uh, for, for us, uh, it was, you know, 10 minutes before our boys went to bed in the evening, mm-hmm. we would sit down and it was in their room. We would sit down, either they could be in bed or sitting next to us on the floor. And we'd read to them for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes right before they went to bed, just to kind of relax them, get them calm. Uh, sometimes it didn't happen depending on the book we were reading, sure. but, um, but for the most part, <laughs> that was our time, the 10 minutes before they went to right. bed, 10 or 15 minutes before they went to bed, we would sit down and read together. And my wife and I shared that role. So she would be in there at times and I would be in there at times. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's not only about the story that you're reading and the book that you're reading. It's really about the relationship and the bond that you're creating with your child. Obviously you're teaching them, you know, about really about reading and incorporating that, you know, kind of that practice for them because, you know, my boys are older now Mm -hmm. and they both love to read. My older son is huge into self-help books and things like that. So he loves reading. I just ordered a couple of books for him the other day. Um, so he's really big into reading. And I attribute that to the fact that we yeah. read to him constantly and he loved it. Um, so, but I think it's more about really creating the bond and uh, with your child. Uh, it's important. Right. And as you said, 
we do have these busy lives and sometimes the days get away from us and we didn't get enough family time with our children or the family in general because of our schedules. But just creating this habit of sitting down with your child in the evenings, you know, I would recommend every night, but if you can't try to do at least every other night, but I recommend every night where you sit down with a child and just read to them for 10 minutes. And it really helps just kind of create the bond and let them ask questions and answer their questions. And it's it's an important part of um, establishing that relationship with your child, especially when they're younger. So um, I think when they get older too, like you said, your, your boys love to read. Um, when they get older, it's a great opportunity to just talk about books. And, you know, if you're not reading with them anymore, just saying, hey, what are you talking about? Or what are you reading about? Um, let's talk about it. And then, um, you know, they're preteens, they're teenagers, they're young adults. It's just an, it's just an opportunity to connect with them. Um, and you build that foundation, like you said, reading to them before before bed or, you know, we also, since I have a three-year-old and his older siblings are always rushing around to activities, we stack in those, those seat back pockets in our car is just filled with books and we change them pretty frequently and we go to the library. So when he's in the car, he's just looking at books and reading and loving it. And then the older kids will take them to entertain themselves and read to him. And so I think just having books around you as much as possible too, really helps with that. So that, you know, you don't have to, if you can't feel like you can't plan the time, then whenever the time comes up and is available, there's a book right next to you. So just grab it and go. Yeah, um, I agree. And I think like for my older son in particular, we share experiences, like as you talked about, ask, talking about the book that they're reading, you know, I'll ask my son, we'll, we'll share ideas or books that we've read um, with each other. Uh, and so like, you know, I'll just ask him, Hey, what book are you reading now? And he'll tell me and, you know, tell me a little bit about it. He reads a lot of self-help books and I do too. Uh, but I told him, I just finished a couple of books by another author. Uh, and they were self-help type books. And I said, Hey, have you, have you read these books or know of this author? And, and it's Tim, Tim Grover. And he said that he goes, yeah, I've, I've heard of him. And I said, well, have you read these books? And he goes, no. And I said, all right. And so I just left it at that. And he's away on a business trip right now. My son is. And so I ordered these two books by Tim Grover for him and gave them to him before he left. I said, Hey, here's a couple of books you might want to you know, read while you're on your trip or on the plane. Uh, so he was excited about that. So um, those kind of experiences I take, um, I love, uh, but I, I, you know, give it credit to the fact that, you know, we spent so much time as a family together reading when they were younger and it's just kind of uh, something that's part of their lives now. So it's really cool. Um, let's talk a little bit about technology though, because you mentioned it, technology, um, mm-hmm you know, there are, there are times when it's okay for, you know, technology to kind of take over and uh, maybe your child wants to look at illustrations um, through their devices or or read a book through their devices. But um, do you think it's hurting the book industry with technology that's out there now? And how hard is that as an author? Uh, That's interesting because for my young adult uh, novels, the publisher really prioritizes digital Um, digital sales, digital promotions, um, and that's their business model and it works really well for them. But then there are other, you know, age categories, obviously, you know, like a picture book, it's great for parents to have that and hold that in their hands and see the illustrations, but you have companies like Epic that are bringing so many stories and they're not the only ones to, you know, my kids will also read, um, 
electronic books through uh, the library, um, you know, like the downloads, the overdrive mm-hmm. and Libby and things like that. And I don't know that my, that my children seem to mind how they get their books. That's a good question. I probably should, I'll probably talk to them about that when they come home from school. That's a good, that's a good point of discussion with them. Um, you know, on a grander scale for the, the industry, um, I think digital is actually probably very um, helpful right now with gas prices. And it's been very difficult for some publishers. They've had books printed, but they couldn't um, get them transported in the last year. Um, and then, of course, through going through COVID, there were printing delays and things like that with um, places being shut down and then distribution lines being shut down. Um, so I think that those publishers that have invested more in digital, you know, have probably seen growth there. This is me completely speculating, have seen growth there. And um, that's been a benefit for them. But, you know, even as parents, too, like if I'm going on a if I'm going on a trip, I'm not packing a backpack of books, but my kids can access them through their iPad. We might download several from the library. We might um you know, have them spend time on Epic, but it's just not as feasible for them to um, pack so many print books. So I think that there are a lot of ways that electronic um, resources are just really beneficial. There are everybody, especially if you're passionate about reading, people are going to say, I want the book in my hand. Right. And that's, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that I have both of my books sitting on my desk right now, but, um, I don't know. I think it's just like anything. There are benefits and disadvantages depending on the context that you're in. Yeah. I think, you know, for me in particular, I'm, I'm, I am more of audio books. So I like Mm -hmm. to be able to, I find that if I'm sitting down reading a book, I won't necessarily be bored with the book, but I find my mind's drifting. Uh, I find that, you know, I'm antsy because I'm just kind of sitting there. Uh, so I have to be active. So I will listen to audiobooks while I'm doing stuff, whether it's at the house or I'm on the road. Um, I'll listen to an audiobook because mm-hmm. that allows me to, to be able to do what I need to do, but still be dialed in on the book that I'm listening to. Whereas right. my son, my older son's a little different. He wants something tangible. He wants something that he mm-hmm. can hold in his hands and read. Uh, he's not so much into the audio uh, books. So, you know, when I ordered those two books, I ordered the actual books mm-hmm. because I know that sure. he's more, he wants, he wants something tangible that he can look at, that he can hold and read um, in front of him. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess you're right. It, it comes with, you know, whatever it is you've, you've got going on. Like you said, if you're going to go on a trip with the family, a family vacation or whatever, you're not going to pack a suitcase full of books. So it's best to have them, you know, available on download uh, to make it easier. So um, well, right. awesome. Um, well, let me ask you this. If my listeners wanted to look you up, learn a little bit more about you, check out the books, all the best places for them to do that kind of stuff. Um, definitely. So my website's fairly easy. It's just TamaraGirardi.com. So you can access um, information about the books there and all my social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, I do have uh, two local bookstores in the Pittsburgh area that have signed copies of my books. Why Daddy Why is a great Father's Day gift if you're looking for that. Um, or if you have, you know, new parents in your family, I think it's great for that as well. So um, you can find the links to those resources there. 
and reach out to me too. I mean, I love hearing from people, whether you, you know, are interested in the book or you have something else that you want to chat about. Um, I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much for what you're doing. Um, the kind of the movement that you're on with creating these children's books. I think it's great. Um, I wish you all the best and, and success and all that you're going through with these books. Um, and I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate you sharing your experiences, not only as a parent, uh, but as an author uh, for four parents. So uh, I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much. I'm a big fan of the show. I love listening to it. You always do a wonderful job and it was just really good talking with you today. So thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you guys very much for joining me on another episode of Dad Up. Uh, I appreciate my guest Tamara for being on with me. Make sure you guys are checking out. I'll make sure to put uh, all her links in the show notes. So make sure you guys are checking out her books and the things she's got going on and reach out to her. Let her know what you think of the show and let her know what you think of the book. Uh, and if you can pick up the book, uh, it, like she said, it'd be a great Father's Day gift um, for a dad and a child to really bond and develop. So thank you guys very much. And again, make sure you guys are subscribing to my show, leave a rating, leave a review, all that kind of fancy stuff. I appreciate it. My guests appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode of Dad Up. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. Make sure you guys subscribe to my podcast and YouTube channel. And please do me a favor, leave a rating and a review. Would love to hear from you and see what you think of the show. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes each week. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Data Podcast.